God bless each of you this morning, and we're grateful to be in the service of the Lord. Are you happy about being in church this morning? This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to be preaching today uh, from the subject, Freedom is the Best Choice. Freedom is the Best Choice. And we want to read from Romans chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 6. And we're going to read two verses, verses 16 and 17. Romans chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. While you're preparing, as we read the Word of God, I'm grateful to have my wife with me today. And and one of our daughters, Hannah, is here. And um, I brought one of my products, my book, Deep Awareness. I have only two copies left today, so I don't want y'all to fight over buying my books since it's only two copies, but uh, we'll work that out as well. Can we give some love to Apostle Dale and Jill this morning? Don't we love them and appreciate them so very much? They are such a blessing. Romans chapter 6, and we'll read verses 16 and 17. We'll pray, and you can take your seat. It says, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. And verse 17 says, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. And Father, we are so grateful today for this privilege you've given us to preach and teach your word. We thank you for your precious Holy Spirit, and we thank you that he will accomplish his intended purpose in every heart and life this day as the word of the Lord goes forth. Anoint every ear to hear, every heart to receive, and every mind to accept your word. And we thank you for manifesting a greater degree of freedom in the lives of your people that has been afforded to us by your divine grace. And we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, May the Lord bless you. You may take your seat. Freedom is the best choice. That word freedom can be defined as the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. The power to act, think, or speak without hindrance or restraint. It is to exempt ourselves from unnecessary obligations or liabilities without distraction. It is a release from restriction and limitation to go out at pleasure as a citizen and not as a slave. And it is the perfect will of God for every born-again believer and those who have yet to be believers in Jesus, to experience the freedom that comes with having a relationship with God the Father. And freedom is twofold. It is an exemption from something, and it is also a right to something. And, you know, it, it's amazing that there are many that often know what they're saved from, but very few know what they're saved for. And we are exempt from the penalty of sin, which is death, the power of sin, which is bondage, and the presence of sin, which is the constant struggle with 
dark thoughts, dark words, and dark deeds. And we have a right to enjoy the benefits of salvation that has been afforded to us by the grace of God. Freedom is also a choice. And to choose is to take by preference, to regard or esteem one thing more than something else. And I think one of the most important things that we have to understand about freedom is freedom is not doing what you want to do, but freedom is doing what you should do. Because with freedom comes responsibility. And because I am free, it gives me all the more incentive to align my condition of righteousness with my position of righteousness. That I have to allow my daily reality to catch up with my divine faith in walking with God. Freedom is a choice. If men and women are not free in their spirit, their mind, and their body to live for the Lord in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter, evidently some wrong choices have been made that have gendered bondage in their spiritual lives. The proof of desire is in your pursuit. So if freedom is what you desire, you approve that desire by your pursuit. And a pursuit is to run after something with the aim to secure it. But it's unfortunate that everyone will not take advantage of the rights that the Lord has provided for them, even when they find out what those rights are. To be spiritually free. And that's why I say freedom is a choice and freedom is the best choice because bondage is a state of mind and it begins to manifest as a state of being. Just like in the circus industry. The reason why elephant trainers are able to tame baby elephants that weigh about 200 pounds when they're born is because tamers begin controlling the mind. The animal trainers will chain the ankle, and the ankle is connected to a stake in the ground, and when that baby elephant tries to pull away from that chain, unsuccessfully, the mindset is defeated. And therefore, the baby elephant does not recognize its strength. And so years later... When that baby elephant that once weighed 200 pounds, now as an adult elephant, weighs about 14,000 pounds, that adult elephant still would not break free from the chain around his ankles connected to the stake in the ground. It has the ability to break the chain and trample the trainer. But his movement and physical strength is limited and restricted due to mental bondage. And can I tell you today, religion is the elephant trainer. And many have been mentally imprisoned and it seems that 
They can't break free from failing to recognize the strength from within and possess the capacity to break free and trample the system that genders the bondage. And what we have to remind ourselves about deception, deception is a mistaken conviction based on misinformation. Because someone provided you erroneous information, therefore your convictions become erroneous and they become self-imposed. And you begin to live your life like the information was true. But one day you discover that you were living under false pretenses. But Christ is a life giver and not a law giver. Jesus said he came that we might have life. So the law says do, but grace says done. The law says try, but grace says trust. The law says behave, but grace says believe. The law says you have to belong to a particular group. But grace says function in your being, in your relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Now here in this text in Romans 6, Paul the Apostle, he instructs us in this, in this epistle in the most sobering, thought-provoking, and soul-examining way. He brings us into an understanding where we are positionally as believers in Christ Jesus. But our mental condition has to catch up and get in alignment with our spiritual condition. But he makes it very clear that we all are servants, we all are slaves, either to a system of religious tradition that's been engineered by man, or either we are a servant or a slave to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that, in, that we are in relationship with that's been engineered by our Heavenly Father. And the Lord spoke this in my spirit very plainly on last week when I was preparing for this message. Now that we're in the new year according to the Hebraic calendar, and even as we prepare to enter into the new year according to the Gregorian calendar in January. The Lord spoke to in my spirit this week. He said, there can no longer be any middle ground. There can no longer be any territorial neutrality. No more straddling defense. No more vacillating from law to grace and grace to law. No more being halt between two opinions. We're in a season in the realm of the spirit where God intends for size to be drawn. And we have to choose what side we're on. Because Jesus said that no man can serve two masters. Either you're going to love the grace of God and you're going to hate the law. Or either you're going to love the law and you're going to hate the grace of God. And then there are many of us that feel as though 
that there is an overemphasis on grace, that we're hearing too much grace. But you've got to think about how you have spent almost an entire lifetime trying to live your spiritual life based on a performance system. So why would you be upset if you've heard the message of grace for the past three or four years and you've been living under the law 20, 30, 40, and with some of us, 50 years? It is no comparison. So we have to decide. Jesus said that we would love one and hate the other. We would be loyal to one or despise the other. So if you're going to despise grace, go to a law church. But if you're going to love grace, you need to love the one that you're with. So Paul made it very clear. He said, know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Paul begins by letting us know that your choosing is in your yielding. You may hear the message of grace, but the question is, what system are you really yielding to? You know, it's easy for people to make a public declaration of what candidate they support in an election. But when a person pulls that curtain back, you don't know what choice they make. And you can't always go by what people advertise. And so many times we campaign for grace, but the question is, what do we do when we close the curtain? Your choosing is in your yielding. So when you yield, you just made your choice. It is an intentional and volitional act of will. So Paul said, are you not aware of this truth? Are you not cognizant? Do you not realize the seriousness of your ability to select that that will have an impact on your walk with God? Why on earth? The word yield is parastamai in Greek. It means to place a person or thing at the disposal of another. It means to stand near to promote another's cause. So Paul is saying that whoever you give your spirit, body, and mind to in allegiance, they are your master. And you give yourself as a servant. And that word serving a slave, it actually, the Greek word is doulos, but it has about four um, definitions that I want to share with you today. Um, The first definition is the most object, servile term for a slave, one who was born in the condition of slavery. And then the second definition from that same Greek word doulos is one who is swallowed up in the will of another. Now, at our first birth, we were depraved, but at our second birth, we are divine. And our will is to be swallowed up in the will of God. You know, there should come a point in our lives 
Because freedom is the best choice that we should despise trying to live under the dominion of the law. The message of grace that we've heard, we should absolutely despise even wanting to make an attempt to live under the law. We should despise even being exposed to the temptation that would give us the resolve to remain in grace. We should despise voluntarily making ourselves slaves to a system of religion, extending our hands to be handcuffed by religion, being taken into religious custody and remain incarcerated to a system that's detrimental to our spiritual life, growth, development, and maturity. Because when you yield to law, even though you have an understanding of grace, you are setting yourself up for failure in every area of your life. There should come a point in our lives because we understand that freedom is the best choice that we refuse to listen to preaching and teaching that promotes the law. We should refuse to sing songs that promote the law. We should refuse to live a rigid and uptight lifestyle that only focuses on what you can't be, what you can't do, what you can't have. We should despise where our spiritual life is under siege by rules, rituals, rights, and restrictions. So Paul said, whoever you yield yourselves to, his servants you are to obey. And the only job of a slave in the mind of the master is to comply and submit. To come under the authority of another, to hearken to a command. Paul said, his servants you are to whom you obey. So this implies that there is no such thing as an independent servant. <laughs> there is no such thing as a slave that's been contracted out by a spiritual employment agency. But you are the property of a system of religious tradition or even, or a savior in relationship of the truth. And so Paul lets us know what the two choices are that we have to yield to. The first choice, whether sin unto death. Harmatia in Greek, it means to miss the mark, to err and be mistaken, to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor. When you violate the divine law of grace by thinking wrong thoughts and performing wrong acts under old covenant law. See, most of the time when we talk about sin, most of us, we think about, you know, the committing of, of vile acts. But let me, let me share with you another perspective on sin. Sin is when you punish yourself, judge yourself, torture yourself, and condemn yourself on a performance-based salvation. And when you don't meet that standard in your own mind, you miss the mark, 
and you allow the law to have dominion in your life instead of grace. It's self-incarceration. You know, it's kind of like Otis Campbell on Andy Griffith. You know, you're, you're intoxicated with guilt like Otis is intoxicated with moonshine and you lock yourself up and it leads to death. And you, you consequently, you separate yourself from the benefits of living under the dominion of grace because you choose to forfeit your own freedom. So Paul said that, you know, you yield unto sin, you yield to sin unto death, he said, or obedience unto righteousness. Hypokoe in Greek, the word obey, hypokoe, it means to comply with God's standard of grace. And of course, grace is twofold. There's a grace for salvation and there's a grace for service. The grace for salvation is the inexhaustible supply of the goodness of God where he does for us what we're absolutely incapable of doing for ourselves. That's what leads us to salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Verse 9, lest any man should boast. So salvation is a gift you receive, not a paycheck you earn. And then there is a grace for service, which is a divine enablement to perform the works of God unto which you've been called. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that the grace that was given to me, it wasn't in vain, but I labored more abundantly than, the, than they all, yet not I. But the grace of God that was with me. So Paul said we can yield to obedience unto righteousness, which is a attentive hearkening. Attentive hearkening. Now, an obedient believer is a focused believer. But a disobedient believer is a distracted believer. Those of us who are obedient believers, the reason why we're focused, we're focused because of grace. But unfortunately, some of you that are disobedient believers, the reason why you are distracted is because you are distracted by law. You are distracted by your own inability to try to perform up to a standard that Jesus has already met. So when you understand that you are not the standard, you no longer have to perform because Paul said that we are complete in him. And when you're complete, there's nothing missing and there's nothing broken. You live your life like the work has already been done. Yeah. 
So that means that you have to lend your ears, your mind, your heart to constantly and consistently process and apply this message of grace to your life. That Greek word doulos that we referred to for serving a slave, this is the third definition. It refers to one who is bound to another in bands so strong that only death can break them. Once a person exercises faith, to receive Jesus' Lord by the grace of God, he or she becomes bound to the Lord Jesus forever. And the bands are unbreakable, coupled with the desire to serve the Lord. Now, here's the fourth definition for doulas, serving a slave. It means one who serves to the disregard of his own interests. The believer, with his own will and accord, serves the Lord Jesus with a blatant disregard for his own interests. You know why? Because he or she is not their own. Paul said we've been bought with a price, and he said, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 23, I believe, he said, you were bought with a price. He said, be ye not the servants of men. Fact that you belong to Christ, you don't yield your allegiance and your faithfulness to a system, to a group, to a club, to an organization more than Jesus Himself. You know, just like under the old covenant, when a slave was given his freedom but loved his master so much and felt that he was treated so kindly that he did not want his freedom. He felt that he had more freedom serving his master than going out on his own making a life for himself because he was granted protection, security, love, and blessing from the master. So why would he want to leave? Exodus 21 and 6 says what the master would do, he would pierce the ear of the slave, which was a symbol that he didn't belong to himself, but that he belonged to the master. And when you realize how good the God of all grace has been to you, you don't want to go out and yield yourself to a system of religion on your own. You know why? Because your heart has been pierced with the grace of God. Because you are his personal property. You refuse to serve another because the master grants you protection. He grants you security. He grants you love. He grants you blessing. So why would you want to leave and serve somebody else? You subordinate yourself as a soldier in a battalion under the commanding officer. Right positioning, right alignment with God. Paul said you will yield to obedience unto or which leads to righteousness. The state of him is as he ought to be. Righteousness is a condition accepted to and approved of God. Righteousness is also a doctrine that teaches how a man 
may attain and maintain a state approved of God. It is correctness of thinking, correctness of feeling, and correctness of acting. But look here at verse 17. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Look at verse 17. He said, but God be thanked that you were. <laughs> That's enough to shout on by itself. But God be thanked that though you were. You can praise God just knowing what you were, but you're not that. Servants of sin, slaves to sin, but that you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were. You're not going to tell me who preaches to you makes a difference. Doesn't make a difference. Because whoever preaches to you, they will determine your enslavement or they will determine your emancipation. Because your faith has to attach itself to the word of God that is preached that will begin to demonstrate God's power on your behalf. Paul said it is the foolishness of preaching that saves men that believe. Yes, a good talk is all right. A testimony is all right. An encouraging word is all right. But you need some preaching. The Bible says that it is the engrafted word of God that is able to save your soul. You know what's going to send revival to America? Preaching. What's going to cause men to be saved? Preaching. What's going to cause the sick to be healed? Preaching. What's going to cause miracles to be manifested? Preaching. What's going to cause people to pack this place out where traffic is going to be five miles down the road on 84? Preaching. It is the preaching of the word that saves men that believe. Paul said it was that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Our heavenly father Peter said he's the God of all grace. And he is to be thanked. We are to show bountiful gratitude for his bountiful grace. It says that you were, you used to be in a condition of traditional religiosity that you were in a condition of tradition doctrinally and denominationally if many of us would really admit to this there was a time when we tried to serve God under the law you had no mind of your own that whatever people said you believed it because you were confident that they had heard from God but let me tell you I found out they were only repeating what they heard somebody else say but there was no scriptural validity and there was no revelatory value 
They were basically correctional officers to keep you bound to the law on the lock and key and you had no hope of spiritual freedom. And it led you to make unnecessary mistakes, unnecessary blunders, unnecessary errors in your spiritual life because of false doctrine. Erroneous theology. Condemnatory preaching. And you were missing the mark of the standard of grace that God had set for you through Jesus Christ. But we are no more slaves to sin. Propagated by the law. Somebody, you know, wanted to debate and dispute me and I told him, I said, I haven't had a problem with sin in years. And the reason why I don't have a sin problem because I received the revelation that Jesus put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So if it's dead, why I keep beating on it trying to bring it back alive? <laughs> we are no more slaves to sin propagated by the law. It's like an expired coupon. It has no present value. See, you can't go, go to KFC today and try to use a coupon from yesterday. Do you know why? No present value. He said, but you have obeyed. You have listened and attended to from the heart. In other words, there came a time we had a desire to understand. The reason why the desire to understand came was because you and I both know that there was more to the story than what we were being told. How many of y'all would agree with that? Your heart cried out for more than what you were getting. You knew that there was something missing. I've been going to church all these years. I've been shouting. I've been dancing all these years. I've been speaking in tongues all these years. I've been paying this money all these years. And I don't understand why am I still struggling. Something is wrong with this picture. And I rolled by people that were doing better than me, living better than me. And at that time, but not anymore, they were even looking better than me. While I was on my way to church, and I would scratch my hand, I'd say, something is wrong with this picture. But I got a revelation of grace. <laughs> you knew that there had to be something deeper than just surface knowledge. In your heart, you wanted to understand, comprehend the importance or the significance of a thing. He said, the doctrine, you were introduced to the teaching of grace. How many of you are grateful that you were introduced to the teaching of grace? It created an impression that had a divine impact in your spirit. 
You were instructed, you were imparted into, there was knowledge instilled in you for the purpose of change. And the key is receiving spiritually healthy doctrine, wholesome teaching of the word of God. That Jesus came down into the slave market of sin. He paid the full price for our redemption. And he set us free. And the permanent results of that doctrine occurs when we believe and when we appropriate it to our lives as a living and working reality. It's a doctrine that plays a vital role in our emancipation. And can I tell you, it's the doctrine that makes the difference. But Paul just didn't say that the doctrine delivered us. But when you read it, he said it was that form of doctrine. <laughs> See, details make a difference. That word form refers to a mold into which molten metal is poured into. And it begins to take on that destined shape. So the grace message is the mold. <laughs> And we as believers, we are the molten metal and God is pouring us into his grace so we can take on the destined shape of grace. So when we walk, we ought to walk like we have grace. When we talk, we ought to talk like we have grace. When we live, we ought to live like we have grace. When we give, we ought to give like we have grace. So it just wasn't the teaching of grace that was delivered to us. But we were delivered by the teaching of grace because it shapes our character. We are delivered from sin's mastery of law keeping and performance. And we are delivered over to the truth that makes us free indeed. I want to close on this. Harriet Tubman was an abolitionist in 1850. Most of us may know historically that she became a conductor on the Underground Railroad that provided a haven for runaway slaves on their way to freedom in the North. She was a nurse by profession, but she did this for 10 years. And history tells us that she personally led 19 rescue trips and guided about 300 people to freedom in the north. But her success as a conductor was contributed to what I believe were the four cardinal rules of freedom. And they have a, a spiritual application. And this was what was required of all runaway slaves that she would rescue. They had to abide by without question. Four cardinal rules to freedom, spiritually or otherwise. Rule number one, be in place in order to be free. Be in place in order to be free. In other words, you have to get in position in order to get your possession. See, a catcher, a catcher on a baseball team, he can't catch the catch from the pitcher if he's not in proper position. He's got the squat, and he's got to have his mid out. Now, the catcher can't be on his phone texting. 
He's got to be in a position to receive the pitch that the pitcher is throwing. So you have to be in place in order to be free. You have to get in position where God wants you or you can't be free. Now, if the runaway slaves were not where they were supposed to be to meet with Miss Tubman, they would be left behind. You know why? Because you can't be free on your own terms. You've got to be free on the terms of the one who's emancipating you. So we can't be free on our own terms. We've got to be free on the terms that the Lord has set because it is only the Lord who will make us free. So you got to be in place in order to be free. Secondly, keep your escape plans confidential. <laughs> Man, that looks good up there. Keep your escape plans confidential. Now, to receive your spiritual freedom by the grace of God from the bondage of religious tradition, when God gives you a plan for your freedom, I mean, it may come up in your spirit by the Holy Spirit, or you may hear Apostle Dale preaching, or you may receive a prophetic word, or whatever the case may be. When God gives you a plan for your freedom, and I want to say this as kindly and as politely as I possibly can. You have to learn to keep your mouth. Y'all said it. I didn't say it. Y'all not going to get me for that. Because if you tell everyone what God has showed you. And what he's going to do in your life. People will attempt to block it and stop it. And they'll give you contradictory words so you won't obey the one God gave you. You know why? Because every slave doesn't want to be free. And they will keep as many slaves on the plantation of religion as possible. Because in their minds, it's too risky. <laughs> Proverbs 13 and 3 says, He that keeps his mouth keeps his life. But he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Have you ever found yourself in trouble? Because at the time, you should have been quiet. That was the time you spoke. And I know you were excited, but there are some words that God gives you in private you can't put in the atmosphere in public. You've got to work the plan that God gives you. And so once God demonstrates himself, you don't have to worry. Everybody will know it. But the praise will go to God and not to you. Because when people stand back and say, I, I know it was God that had to do that for them. That's right. God gets the praise. But if there's no risk, there's no reward. So you have to be in place in order to be free. Keep your escape plans confidential. Thirdly, follow all orders quickly. 
and without protest. Follow all orders quickly and without protest. Well, I don't understand. If God wants you to understand, he would have told you. That's why he told somebody else. <laughs> Crawford, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't understand. You know, the bowling ball didn't hit your pen that day. I'm sorry. In order for God to provide spiritual freedom from the bondage of sin and religious tradition, you have to obey the Lord immediately and without question. Hear me. Even if it goes against your comfort zone. Because God is not routine, he is not predictable, and he is not programmed. But guess who is routine, predictable, and programmed? We are. Faith is a fact, faith is an act, and the difference is in the doing. When God drops something in your spirit to do, don't give your mind time to reason and rationalize and your body time to resist. But you have to move when you hear the Lord say move. Let me tell you something. The runaway slaves, they had to obey Miss Tupman in order for their escape to be successful. You know why? Because she had done it before. And you have to learn to listen to people who've done it before. And the fact that they came back to get you is because they had your freedom in mind. But it's up, for you, but it's up to you to choose. So you have to be in place in order to be free. Keep your escape plans confidential. Follow all orders quickly and without protest. Fourthly and finally, be ready to die than to turn back. Be ready to die than to turn back. You all may not believe this, but you're going to have to make some drastic changes in your spiritual life because of what you're hearing. It would be one thing if you weren't hearing what you were hearing. But with this message of grace, God is calling us into accountability based on what we hear. We have to break some routines, some traditions, and some customs. And this is sad to say, but it's true. You're going to have to leave some people behind that satisfy where they are and how things are. And some of them are not outside your household either. You have to be willing to go all the way to see this thing through unto the end. You know, if Jesus went all the way for me, who am I not to go all the way for him? Freedom is your best choice. 
You cannot change your mind in the middle of the escape. Listen, think about how far we've come as a church. Now is not the time in the middle of grace for you to decide you want to go back to the law. You know why? Because the cost is too great for you to be free. 